also want you to turn with me in your Bible, not only to Deuteronomy chapter 26, but also a reading from Titus chapter 2, right around verse number 11. So we will be reading our portion of God's Word from Titus, and our main text will be from the book of Deuteronomy as we walk through uh, the Old Testament, the, Tor the Torah. I don't have much longer until we will be have finished the, uh, the Torah or the uh, first five books of the Old uh, Testament. Now, you've probably noticed in your bulletin today that the sermon title is on tithes and offerings. Uh, maybe that's why there's a few empty places in here this morning. <laughs> on tithes and offerings. But I assure you that my goal for today is not to beat you over the head begging for money. I'm not going to give you a a guilt trip for not giving. I'm not going to do any of that. If you'll notice, the title of the sermon is Tithes, Offerings, and Sacrifice. There is a slew of charlatans in the world today who will beg and plead and ask their congregations for money so that they can consume it on their own needs and their lavish lifestyles and under the guise of the gospel, they will say things like, I need to buy a $56 million jet, or God has told me that I need a new $3 million home, or the list goes on and on and, and on. And under the guise of Christianity, they are abusing people, and they are conning people out of their money. Rest assured, today's sermon is not necessarily about money itself, but things that we can give to the work of the Lord, such as our time, our talents, and things that we would sacrifice to the Lord. In God's providence, we come upon the topic of tithes and, and offerings and giving in the book of Deuteronomy, not so much because I said, you know what, we need to preach about tithing and offering, but because an expositor working through books of the Bible will come upon portions and topics that if you are truly walking through books of the Bible, you have to tackle those huge and big topics. And so it is by God's divine providence that we come upon the topic of tithes and offerings, for that is where we are in the book of Deuteronomy, and because it is also a timely message that we must be reminded of often in our life. Have you ever heard somebody use the phrase, you can't outgive God? Maybe you've used that yourself. You can't outgive God. Now, what is the motive behind that 98% of the time, if not 100? Well, it's that we give to the work of the Lord and God is going to bless us somehow. We give our tithes, we give our offering, and then somehow God is going to pay us back those dividends that we've paid in. It's almost like, in a way, when we invest in the church, we're investing in the stock market, or we're investing in some country club uh, rights and things that we uh, expect as we put our tithes and offerings. You can't outgive God. I want you to, right now, in this moment, Program in your heart and mind, when you think about that phrase, you can't outgive God, 
Think of that phrase in the terms of Jesus and his sacrifice and him laying down his, his own life on the cross. You can't outgive God. In that, in, in that terminology, you can't outgive God. That he gave his, his life, he sacrificed his life for us. I love these encouraging words from Sinclair Ferguson who said, When I know what, that Christ is the only real sacrifice for my sins, and that his work on my behalf has been accepted by God, that he is my heavenly intercessor, that his blood is the antidote for the voices that echo in my conscience, condemning for my failures. Indeed, Christ's shed blood choked them all into silence. And so you can't outgive God. That's the Lord that we serve. That's the God that we serve, the one who sacrificed it all. And so as Christ sacrificed it all because he first loved us, we ought to be able to sacrifice it all for him, shouldn't we? What do I mean by it all? Everything in our life. Everything in our life. Now, before COVID, the church was in a financial nosedive of, of sorts. I guess nosedive would be an accurate description. Uh, we were spending more than we were taking in. I guess that's a better way of saying that. And to be honest about it, we were not being the best stewards over the resources that God had blessed us with. In short, again, we were spending more than we were actually uh, taking in, and, and it wasn't a good reflection on kingdom, on kingdom work. And upon the wise counsel of our, of our treasurer, we reeled back into what stewardship supposed to look like, and, and through the COVID-19 pandemic, giving was actually... It was actually higher than it was before COVID hit. Now, I'll never forget the day that Danny sat down, Danny Griffin sat down at the piano after giving a financial report and played this song. We sang it already. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him, ye. Amen. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Somebody say it. Amen. <laughs> See, I might need the words to that, huh? Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. I'll never forget that. that has forever been kind of etched in my memory. So yes, today's message is on tithes and on offerings, on giving and on sacrifice. So I want you, if you have your Bible held to Deuteronomy 26, there's two verses that I believe every verse in this chapter hinges upon. And it will be verses 10 and 11. So let's stand together. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 10 and 11. Now God's word says, And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. 
And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is amongst you. Father, we ask you that as we read this small portion of Scripture today, that we will indeed bring our sacrifice, our gift, our tithe, our offering to you with a heart of rejoicing and a heart of worship. And I pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as you can imagine, this giving is laden with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Again, you can't outgive God. Nobody in the history of history will be able to outgive the person and work of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day triumphantly. And as you know, the children of Israel at this point are at the very crossroad, the precipice of entering into the, the promised land. And Israel is reminded of their time in Egypt, and we'll read about this in just a moment. They'll be reminded of their time in Egypt and how God brought them out with an outstretched hand. A, a strong, the strong arm of the Lord rescued them and brought them out. And this is a continual thing that resurfaces over the entirety of their history. Just when Israel seems to be slipping, the Lord taps them. Remember Egypt. Remember how I brought you out. Remember so God is bringing them into this land of milk and honey as He has promised them. They're not there yet, but He's setting them up for when they enter in. These are the things that you must do. He's given them commandments. He's given them rules of life, His rules for life. He's bringing them into this land of milk and honey. They are given command to give the first fruit of their labor. You work with the ground, whatever you bring up from the ground, whenever you yield, you give a portion to the Lord. We're going to start the book of Acts in, in January. And in the book of Acts, there's two ways to understand the book of Acts. Well, it is written with a descriptive uh, format. means that the book of Acts is describing the history, something to you. It is not necessarily prescription that God says, these are things that you must do or commands that you must do. It is, it is a history just as it is is written the book of Acts. It is history. But in this case, this is prescription. This is prescribed. These are commands when you come to worship. If you have your Bibles, follow with me in verse 1. The Bible says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you have taken possession of it and live in it. Now, this is the land that God has given. He promised them Way back in the Exodus when God is going to bring them out from under the thumb of Pharaoh. He's going to bring them out of that land and give them the land of milk and honey. They will, they will disobey. They will wander in the wilderness. They will, uh, they will rebel against God. But God is going to be faithful to give them this land. It's as you take possession and as you live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you're... It is from your harvest and the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. You'll put it in a basket. What do we call the basket today? The offering plate. They've passed the offering plate around. They're to take all that they've earned, they, their crops, and they're to give it. Who are they to give it to? They're to give it to the work of the Lord in this case, to give it to the work of God. You will go to the place that the Lord your God will choose, 
to make his name to dwell there. So you're going to take your first fruit. Today we would call that a tithe or a tenth. The words of F.B. Meyer, I believe, are helpful here. F.B. Meyer said this, All we possess and all that we earn are equally the gift of God. Have you ever heard anybody say, Thank you, God, for giving me the strength to work today? The work belongs to God. What we yield belongs to God. So everything that we earn and everything that we possess are equally the gift of God. Let us acknowledge this by setting apart a fixed proportion of the results of our daily work, whether by wages or crops or brood or herd. And then verse 3, he says, And now you will take this offering and you will go to the priest, who was in the office at the time, and by, mind you, who is... Obeying the word of the Lord, not a crooked priest. Okay. But there were some of those. There were some of the Creflo dollars of the day. There were some Benny Hens of the day who were misusing what they were bringing to the priest. Then he says, as you bring them to the office, I say, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Whoever the priests were, whoever was in office... They were to take these offerings from them as their first fruit or their tenth. Well, you know that as I'm reading this, we cannot help but to go to the work of the Lord Jesus. We cannot help but to think about our high priest, the high priest, the superlative high priest, Cannot help but make that connection. Jesus Christ, our high priest. Christ as our high priest. And we must bring, and we must offer up to him a sacrifice of praise from the fruit of our lips and give thanks to God for all of his many mercies. We hear people say it all the time. I just, uh, I praise God for who he is. And we do. We worship God for who He is and His character and His nature. He's a saving God, and we do, and we should. But we also praise God for the many blessings and the boundless mercies that He has bestowed upon us. The priest shall take the basket, the offering plate. He'll set it down before the altar of the Lord. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. And this is the response, a wandering Armenian or Jacob was my father. And he went down to the Egypt and he and a sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a, a nation, great and mighty and populous. So here's Jacob going into the land of Egypt because he knew that his son Joseph was was there in Egypt. God has blessed his son. And he, li he lived in Egypt. God blessed Joseph. He made him second in command. King over the crops, so to speak. The Pharaoh died and did not know who Joseph was. Jacob and his sons, they flourished in the land of, of Egypt and God made them a mighty nation. A great nation. We would call them today the 12 tribes of Israel. The Egyptians treated us harshly. So Moses is retelling this history. The Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. This is 
the core of, of the Exodus is this hard working, how God is going to deliver them from this strenuous, hard labor and, and, and this burden. So he's reminding them, remember how I brought you out. And I've learned this a long time ago, that sometimes the best appreciation for what you have is remembering where you come from. Think about where you come from. Now, I was never really poor and destitute in that way to where, you know, I, I didn't know where my next meal was coming. But I was as poor as you can get when it comes to my walk with the Lord. I was dead in my trespassing sin. I was dead, and one word that I always use to describe my time in sin was darkness. I was just as poor as anybody. I was dead in my sin. I was like the, the, the walking dead, so to speak. So it does me well to remember where God has brought me from, and I appreciate the work of the Lord Jesus all the more when I remember where God has brought me, and I don't deserve anything, and we don't deserve anything. And so, yeah, the best appreciation for what you have is remembering where God has brought you from. We came from a sinner's lot and were sinners most of our life until the Lord Jesus reached and grabbed us. He pulled us out of the miry clay and set our feet upon the solid rock who is Christ Jesus. He says in verse 7, We cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice. He saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and on and an outstretched arm. We see this in the plagues that are demonstrated how God moved mightily amongst the people of, of Israel with great deeds of terror and signs and wonders. And He brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Everything that you need to sustain life is here. Everything you need, milk and honey, synonymous with everything that you need to survive and be in peace with God and one another is here. And then our key verses. Verse 10 says, And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, has given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Since the Lord has blessed them with milk and honey and everything they need in life, and since he saw them through the exodus, through the wilderness, he deserves the first fruit, and actually he deserves more than that. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, hopefully we know this verse by heart. Whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, you do all for the glory of God. So here is the part of the verse where the rest of the chapter hinges on. And worship before the Lord. And we do so in what we give, our time, our resources, our service to King Jesus. You know, I have heard people say, now this is the part where it gets very practical for us. I've heard people say, I've met people in, in church, over, I've, been, I've been a pastor for 13 years now, hard to believe that. Right at 13 years. I have served the Lord since 96, and that's not boasting, that's by God's grace. 
being involved with the church in some way since 96, 97, when I really got plugged in, I remember hearing people say this, until they run the church the way that I think they ought to run it, I'm not sending them my tithe. My first knee-jerk reaction, well, keep it. God don't need your dollar. But my second thought is, what a sad existence that is. I, I could take that verb, that response. I could take that response. And I could place it next to something that the Pharisees would say. And it would almost seem like it was canon. The Pharisees would say something, well, until they run the church the way that I think, I'm just going to keep my tithe. My friends, this is not a country club. Okay, we don't pay our tithes so that we can get benefits in return. It is an offense to the glory of God to harbor such a mentality. It is an offense to the glory and worship of God. It certainly isn't worship. It is more like the Pharisees. So as I said, I would take that phrase and I would put it next to what a Pharisee's, Pharisee would say. Well, Luke eleven forty two 42 says something very similar. Although they are giving, but out of the wrong motive. He says in verse 42 of Luke's gospel, chapter 11, But woe to the Pharisees! Why? For you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and you neglect justice and you'll neglect the love of God. These, ought, these you ought to have without neglecting the others. Until they run the church the way that I think they ought to run it, I'm going to withhold my tithe. My second knee-jerk reaction is, well, I think that we need to talk about regeneration. Maybe we need to come to the altar. Imagine, imagine if Jesus said something like that. Could you imagine if, if Jesus said, Father, until they get their lives right, I'm, just, I'm not going to the cross. Could you imagine something like that? You know what? We would still be dead in our sins. We, we wouldn't even be here this morning. Until they get their lives right back there, Lord, I, I just, I don't know. This crazy lot, man, I, I, I know church government and running the church ain't all perfect. It is not all flowers. And we don't always see eye to eye with things. But is that a reason to have such a pharisaical idea as that? Even in preaching this morning, the only audience that really, <laughs> not impressed, but need to make sure that I'm accurate in front is the audience of one. But as a pastor, we want to grow in our faith. I want you to grow in your, in your walk with the Lord. If Jesus would have said something like that, and we know it's not in his character to, to do such a thing, we would all be dead in our sins right now. The natural correct question arises such as, what is a tithe? And what does a tithe, does a tithe pertain to us now? And, and these are good questions, but my main concern is not so much about the, the, the tithe itself. It's not about looking for a loophole in giving. 
But the intent is the sacrifice on our behalf. Well, we would say that the tithe is a tenth, 10% of, of what we earn. Some would say that this is the total of one income. Some would argue that this is before taxes. Is it after taxes? Like God is up there with this heavenly abacus in the sky, crunching numbers like a treasurer would do or something of that sort. Some would say, well, the tithe doesn't affect us today. We give more out of sacrifice and cheerfulness, as the Bible describes. The woman with the two mites come to mind, who gave all that she had. Many times we must understand tithes and offerings. We act as if God needs our dollars. The first thing that one must realize is when giving a tithe or an offering, that it should be done worshipful. The deacons come to receive the morning tithes and offering you give as the Lord would lead you as an act of worship. By worship I mean that it should be given with the spirit of faith, knowing that whatever circumstances are in our lives and whatever we give is going to be a demonstration and a reflection of our faith. And again, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not standing here this morning to beat you over the head, whether you put in an offering plate or not. No, that's not my goal here this morning. In fact, I hardly pick tithe and offering as a topic to preach on. In fact, there's been times I have forgotten the fifth Sunday offering. So for me, it's more than money. We give our time, we give our resources, we can give our energy to the work of the Lord. And the passages in Deuteronomy 26, they are mandates or commands given as a token of worship. If you'll notice in verse 10, that's the very thing that he said. Lay it down as we worship God. Not only are these commands that are, that are given, but they are also commands that, that would lead one to sacrifice. Now, in the reading of the word, there is a pinnacle or there is a verse that I mentioned where the rest of the chapter hinges upon this idea of worship. I'll read it to you again. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So there is tithe, there is sacrifice, and there is worship. We live in a world today where we must understand the concept of sacrificial giving. That could be just our time, our talents, our money, resources. In the grand scheme of our lives, many times the tithe that we, that we sacrifice or that we give are sometimes not even a priority because many of us give out of the abundance that we already have. So sacrifice becomes something that we could give up very easily. Then the question remains on that, is this really sacrifice? I found in our world today, especially in the life of the church, that we tend to give up the most important things in our lives. I'll give you a scenario. Again, this is out of experience. I don't guess you mind me sharing experience with you. So I speak out of my own experience to help make, make a point. I'll give you a scenario. A parent has an abundance of things going on in their lives. They got it all lined up and all scheduled on their calendars. We got this on Monday and Tuesday. We got this on Wednesday. We got this on Thursday. We got this on Friday. Saturdays are all booked up. And then there's church. Then there's worship. 
We go to the catalog of events. We thumb through our calendars, whether they are on our wall or on our phone. We look at the things that can be cut. May I can trim this here, cut this back here. And the one thing that is cut or reduced is serving and worshiping in the church. What we do away with is the most important thing in raising our families and the admonition and the love of Jesus. That's the one thing that gets cut. What message am I sending my children if I give up my time in God's house and I give up my time amongst God's people and pursue idols? I'm telling, I'm sending the message to my children that church ain't so important after all. You know, Jesus, he ain't all that important. I'm saying quite simply, church, we have forgotten what it means to give of our life sacrificially. We have lost what it means to give it all to Jesus and let's let the rest of the world fade and burn around us if it has to, as long as I have Christ in my family. I do not care about being socially acceptable to a secular world. Now, part of that is our own doing. It's part of that is our own undoing. Because we have everything that we need, everything that we want at the tip of our fingers, and we have so much we do not understand the concept of sacrifice. Am I teaching my children that in the long haul, that there are other things that are more important than serving Jesus? And I don't know if that's you today, but there was a time in my life, there was a time in my life where these were struggles, and some are these struggles today. I, I remember when I was in the college at Southeastern taking college courses, and, um, and it came time for Sunday worship. One of the things that they told us was get plugged into a church, serve in the church while, you, while you're in college. It came Sunday morning, time for worship, and my reasoning was that I spent all week in the Bible, in Bible study and classes, and I thought that that was my church time and my time of worship. That was not my time of worship, even though studying should be worshipful, and I let my sons see this aspect of my life, and that I am not too proud of. So church, listen, we need to learn what it means to give in a sacrificial way. Again, we prioritize what is important in life and what matters in the grand scheme of things and what has become idolatrous in our lives. For Israel, it was given a tenth or a tithe to the work of the Lord. And if you follow Israel's history, Hebrew history, you will find that they gave a tenth and they gave an offering above and beyond. We do not find the principle of tithing, at least this tenth, in the new covenant. But what we do find over and over again is the truth of sacrificial giving and giving in generosity and with the spirit of charity. And I'm not preaching to you about money. I'm not preaching to you about giving more money. But what I am speaking to you about today is looking at your life, seeing what areas need to be refined and moved towards sacrifice. In verse 11 and 3, he says, You shall rejoice in the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is amongst you. 
when you have finished paying all the tithes of produce in that third year, which is the year of tithing given to the Levi, the priest, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, reference James, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled, that you shall see before the Lord your God. I have removed the sacred portion of my house, and moreover, I have given to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widows, according to all that have been commanded, that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of these commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, or removed any of it while I was unclean, or offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the ground that has, you have given to us as swore to our fathers and land flowing with milk and honey. On this day, your God commands you to do these statutes and rules. You shall therefore be careful to do them with all of your heart and with all of your soul. You have declared today that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways, keep his statutes and his commands, his rules and obey his voice. And the Lord has declared today that you are a people for his treasured possession as he has promised you that you are to keep all His commandments, and that He will set you in praise and in fame and in high honor, honor high above the nations that He has made, and that you will be His people, holy to the Lord your God as promised. So, verse 10, verse 11, it sets right in the very middle. And every one of these verses hinges on this worship as we bring our offering and our tithe and our time and our talent and our strength to the Lord. See, on the church roll, every year we do an annual church report. Sometimes that thing could be very taxing, putting the numbers in, crunching the numbers, seeing how many members are on the roll, seeing how many mission projects we've done, baptisms, outreach projects, those type things. But on that church roll, on our church roll, there is a little over 200 used to be 400. Where did the 200 go? Well, the way that we can answer that is that 200 were not plugged in and at all and have not darkened the door in over 20 years. Some have even passed on and have not been purged, at least in that sense. Out of those 200, some or most have been plugged in. A hundred at least are plugged in to the work of the Lord. And that's a good thing. But my heart hurts for families with children in this day that we live. Because I see so many families with children who are not leading their children as Christ would have them lead or their husbands are sitting in the back like a shadow. And it hurts when I go into homes and the husband is sitting like a knot on a log while the wife is doing all the talking. They're not being a voice for Christ in their homes and I see where people are not valuing the deep treasure of God's Word, and they are lured by trendiness. As long as the children are happy, hey, we're all good. As long as the kids are happy, we're fine. And this is a burden because Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we can be His disciples, and so that we could learn to grow out of our faith. Not so we can become consumers of Christianity. God has called us to be disciples and not consumers. Can I say that again? He has called us to be disciples 
and not consumers. Sacrifice. Would we sacrifice what it takes to see our children grow in the ways of the Lord? Would we sacrifice everything as we value our children and want to see this church grow? And if we say yes to that, we will be on the mission field right now. Or our neighbors who are wayward. People who used to come and used to worship, who made a profession of faith to know and love Jesus. And where are they at this morning? Where's your neighbor at? Where's your friends at this morning? Will we do what it takes? Will we sacrifice what it takes? We are His people. We are called to good works. In the proclamation of the gospel, we are called to make disciples. We are called to sacrifice. So listen to these words in closing. Titus 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. I want you to listen very carefully. I am one of those people. I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. But I certainly believe that there is persecution coming upon the church in this United States. On the church. And I just don't think trendiness is going to make it, help us make it through today. I just don't think a little pithy prayer before a sporting event is going to see us through. I don't think a little word of, it, of, of the Bible or a hint of Scripture is going to help make us, get us through these times. So that is my fear. That the church is ill-equipped. Listen, if the pandemic did what it did on the church and it was not persecution, that people were purged away and fell away, imagine if real persecution came. If real persecution came. So I think it's time for us, church, to step up to, if we have to sacrifice, give up some things, give up our own comfort in some way. You might be scared, might be out of your comfort zone to go to your neighbor or share the good news. I think it's time for us to get out of that comfort zone and, and do, what it, do what needs to be done to help make disciples. That's what Jesus left for us to do. That's what he left for us to do. Look at, all the, look at the pockets in here today of people. Those are people who used to come and were plugged in. And it is our duty. It's not just the pastor's duty. It is ours, all of our duty, to go and to woo them to come back to the cross of Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for our time in your word. Uh, although we started out on tithes and offerings, we end on this moment of sacrifice. And God, you're good. You are in the saving business. You just want us, Father, to be your hands and feet. 
you could send a myriad of angels to reap a harvest, but you have called us to that task. You've called us to go. You've called us to reach to our neighbor, to reach people who might be at the state fair, who might be at the stampede, who might be in Newburn or might be in Windsor or wherever it might be. You've called us, our neighbor. Would we sacrifice a little discomfort to reach out to those families today? Tithes and offerings are a thing, Lord, that you have called us to give and give charitably to God, but our time and our effort, our dedication to you, our service to you is what you want. You want us to go to make followers of Christ. So, Lord, I leave this word with us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen.